Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And joining us today is best-selling author, speaker, and therapist, Jenna Remersma, who is the clinical director of the Atlanta Center for Relational Healing. Jenna is a Harvard graduate, trauma specialist, and IFS therapist. Her book, All Together You, was recently Amazon's number one hot new release in spirituality and self-help. Jenna has been happily married for over 20 years, is a proud mom of two adult children, an, an animal lover, and a yoga enthusiast. Jenna, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Megan. It's great to be with you both today. Where, where do you live? Where are you from? I don't think I know that. Yeah, I live in Atlanta, so um, I'm down here in Atlanta, Georgia, but I am from everywhere and nowhere. I grew up in a military family, and we moved uh, pretty frequently, so I'm not really from anywhere, but Atlanta is where I hail from now. Atlanta is one of those places that Deidre and I think, oh, we can just run there for a couple of nights and jump in the car for an eight-hour drive to spend a weekend down there. We've definitely absolutely come on. We'd love to have you. <laughs> we've, we've done it a few times and it's always been like, oh, that was a lot longer than we expected it to be. Yeah. The drive says yeah. eight, but it always takes 12 for us. I'm not sure why. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're so excited to have you today and uh, to dig into this material a little further. Uh, we've been introducing our listeners to IFS a bit, a little bit at a time with some really amazing people on the podcast sharing from their experience and uh, tell us a little bit about your experience as you learned about this. And of course, we know as you've written your book and, and you're working with IFS, uh, just give our listeners a little backstory on you in this area. I'd love to. And um, we were talking before the podcast started about how you've had all my favorite people on. So <laughs> I, I'm so happy and excited for your enthusiasm for the model. Um, and when I first encountered the IFS model years ago, it immediately hit me as sort of uh, giving a perspective and language to the way that I saw the world and experienced myself, but had never really had language to identify. And um, it changed my life, both personally, spiritually, and professionally. It, uh, I jumped right in, got all the training that I could, and um, immediately started using it in my work. Uh, and in my personal and spiritual journey, and it's been just completely transformational. So I love it. And part of my heart behind writing the book, Altogether You, was to bring the, the faith perspective to the model uh, so that people of faith could access the model and not get too weirded out by the funky language about parts and, and all of that um, to, to kind of help smooth the ground between those two. And um, so... That's how I, how I came to know the model. I really appreciated that in your book that you kind of made it accessible. And I noticed that Dr. Schwartz wrote the foreword for your book, who was the founder of IFS or like, you know, is the one that kind of put the language to it in the first place. And yes. the fact that he gave you such a high endorsement as a man who isn't necessarily a professing Christian, but said, yeah, the way that you've worked this in such a way for believers, like that, it was just amazing to see how he was endorsing your spin on it and then how accessible it was to people of faith. So I just really appreciated that. I did as well. Um, Dick has been uh, just a hero and a role model to me as the developer of the IFS model. And um, I've been so incredibly grateful for his affirmation of the way that I've integrated it with Christian faith and his support in that. He, he has been a, a mentor and a trainer and a friend to me, and I'm super grateful. 
Well, it's, uh, it is an amazing book. If people haven't read it yet, they need to go get it. It's got so much language that's, uh, it is, it's accessible to us as lay people. Um, I didn't find anything, you know, hard to sift through at all. It was laid out so easily to comprehend and just to follow the principles of this. I think um, Megan and I, you know, we, we've sort of jumped all in as soon as we heard anything and we're like <laughs> talking to these parts of ourselves. And then later we're like, wait, maybe that was actually not the exile. Maybe that was a firefighter, you know, we're, we're still kind of waiting through all this. And we're like, well, whatever. We're getting to know ourselves. We're getting curious. I guess that's the first step anyway, right? Who cares if we're labeling them right or not? But I got some exactly. more clarity on that as I was reading your book, like, okay, this makes sense now why that, you know, wouldn't be. And, and one of the things that really struck me is um, the way that you talk about the pain of our exiles and like being willing to experience that instead of avoiding it. And I think that that's something I don't know if it's a Christian thing or just a Western culture thing. I think we're, or just a human thing. <laughs> we are just <laughs> not really willing to sit with the discomfort of some of these things. And I wonder if you just have uh, any wisdom on how people can begin that because it, it can be daunting at first, if you haven't done some, some self-work already and been looking at some of those harder things. It can be. And I think it's a, it's a human, um, survival strategy to want to avoid feeling pain. And I think we've really perfected that in our Western culture and, and maybe even in some of our Western faith traditions. Um, and it is frightening to think about really going to our exiles because they often carry so much pain and the number one fear of the majority of all of our protector parts, both the proactive managers and the reactive firefighters is the flooding pain of the exiles because nobody wants to get flooded with shame or fear or loneliness. Um, And so that's the beauty of the IFS model is that we have a way of going to the exile parts of us and being with them without them overtaking us. And it's called unblending. And it, it can be complicated if we're trying to jump into it through the, the full lens of the full model. And so my uh, sort of desire has been to help take the complexities of the model and simplify them so that anybody can really jump in and get to know their parts, help their parts to unblend so they don't take over. And uh, that is kind of the heart behind my shorthand of the IFS model that I call move toward, um, because it really helps us to move toward all parts of ourselves with curiosity and compassion, rather than our tendency, which is to move against the parts of ourselves and of others that we don't like. And I think it's very parallel to welcoming prayer. I think we do have that aspect in some of our contemplative faith traditions that really allows the awareness to be present with whatever is happening in our body or in our hearts or in our emotions and just being present with it and welcoming it. And so move towards sort of parallels that um, with the IFS model. It seems counterintuitive to think that to get kind of unblend from the pain, you have to move toward the pain. Um, I just, from a personal experience, this last like couple of weeks, I felt very flooded. Like an exile was very flooded and I was avoiding it cognitively understanding what was going on. Like I know this stuff now and thinking, no, that just feels too hard. That feels too scary to go kind of confront it. But when I finally took the moment that there was grace for, like the Lord showed me like, go ahead, this is the moment when I finally was able to do that, facing the pain wasn't nearly as scary or as painful or as hard as it 
had built up to in my brain. So it is completely counterintuitive to think that that's how it relieves the pain, but it, oh my word, it works. It just works. There's always grace for it. Yes, that's right. And really the way I think of it is it is really like letting the little ones inside of us come to the God image that is at our core. Um, In IFS, we call that self which can be a little freaky to people from a faith tradition because self has always had the connotation, at least in my faith tradition of being a negative thing. But in this case, I think it translates to the Imago Dei inside of us, the Mm -hmm. God image that is who we truly are. And what we're doing when we move toward parts of ourselves that are in pain is exactly what Jesus did in, in his walking on the earth as he moved toward the people who were in pain and in suffering and helped them to release their burdens because of the healing nature of his presence. And it, it's exactly the same process inside of us. We are inviting the hurting burdened parts of us to actually, if you will, run to Jesus or let him move toward them um, so that they can be unburdened and feel actually significantly better. And the challenge is that when our hurting parts get a moment, uh, because they're typically locked in the basement by our protectors, they tend to flood forward and take us over at 100% because they desperately need and want healing, but they don't know how else to get it other than by taking us over at 100%. And when they do that, we lose complete access to the God image inside of us. It's kind of like the, the metaphor we use often in the IFS world is it's like the sun in the sky, which is always there. But when the clouds cover it, we lose access to it. And when our parts flood us, it's like clouds covering the sun. The God image is still there, but we've lost access to it. And when we can move toward the parts with compassion, they calm down and separate So the sun starts glimpsing through again, and then that God image can be with our hurting parts, witness them and care for them, which is really definitionally, if you look at the the foundational truths of our faith, which is that God has chosen to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I think that starts within us, God with all of our hurting parts. Um, so you're right. It's deeply counterintuitive and profoundly transforming. That's so beautiful. I, I think I sort of knew this, but the way that you just said it just really clicked something in me. And I realized that in my own journey, that's sort of what happened before I had the language for it, because I grew up a Christian. I even had some Christian counseling tools at my disposal, but I was, um, you know, closer to my thirties before I was able to finally allow a really hidden exile of mine to come forward. And it flooded me so much. I couldn't speak. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't look at anyone. I couldn't share, verbalize anything. And within about a year or two after that, I could start separating that out a little bit. The Lord just was so gentle to say, would you let me draw near? And I didn't even know that this was like a model or things people should do, but he knew what I needed. And uh, seeing this overlay on it, I'm like, oh, I don't have to wait for these huge, big moments to overtake me. Like I can do this every day. And he wants to draw near every day. And that is, so it is transformative. It changed my life before I even knew what was happening. <laughs> um, but yes. right. When we encounter Jesus, he changes everything. Um, we just, um, I think in, at least in the faith tradition I grew up in, we were very quick to not, um, 
say things that, you know, we didn't want to confess things that were wrong. We didn't want to say, I don't don't mean confession like that, but like, you know, I wouldn't let my mouth declare something that didn't line up with the word of God, or, um, you know, I wanted to declare the word over my life. I wanted to declare truth over my life, but I wasn't always acknowledging the truth within me. And I know you Mm -hmm. talk a lot about this in your book, that spiritual eyes are part of us. So when we come to know the Lord, we, we still bring all of our parts with us. Um, Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about how that translates then with IFS and the spiritualizer. Absolutely. I think this was such a helpful realization for me because I was in my own faith journey feeling a great deal of confusion uh, between some of the, what, what we might call mountaintop experiences that I'd had with God, where it was this profound sense of connection and flow and just love. And, uh, it was just the most beautiful. I would get these downloaded messages from God. Um, and, and then these other experiences that I would have more in my day to day that did not have that feel, but, that we're efforting and using God language and engaging in, in church behaviors, but it felt very empty. It, um, it was sort of motivated out of guilt and it did not feel the same, but I had no way of kind of knowing what the difference was. When I encountered the IFS model, I realized the difference was those mountaintop experiences where I felt that deep communion with the Lord were coming out of my God image, the the deep essence inside of me, which is where our true spirituality resides. And that is the place from which we connect with the larger divine outside of us. It's, It's really who we truly are. And what often happens, what happened in my experience was I had a part of me Um, that became burdened, taking on using God language and God behaviors to, to try to avoid the pain of my exiles, which is the job of all of our protector parts. And this part did it just like any other protector would, um, but it did it using God language. And I thought that was my authentic faith, but we know the difference because our spiritualizer parts are burdened. And we can feel the burdening. They have a move against energy. And it's not because they're bad parts, because all parts are good trying to help us avoid pain, but they're stuck in a bad role. And when we feel the legitimate feelings that God has hardwired into our neurobiology, like fear, shame, sadness, loneliness, and we have a part that jumps up and wants to push those down, lock them in the basement using God language. Um, that jumps up and says, Hey, 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 perfect love casts out all fear. If you were doing your faith, right. You wouldn't feel fear, like quit feeling that, um, or, or, uh, would want me to not speak if I was feeling shame. Like if you just were living your faith, if you were closer to God, you wouldn't feel that shame. You need to claim your identity as a daughter of Christ. Um, that energy is a move against energy because the goal of my burden spiritualizer part is to not feel the pain of my exiles. And it's trying to help me do that using God language. We, in other ways, refer to this as spiritual bypass, um, or it's, it's trying to avoid our authentic experience and do it right so that we are pleasing to God or pleasing to our faith communities. And it leads to spiritual emptiness, isolation, burnout, resentment, and pain, because it forces us to dissociate from our true experience in order to um, stay connected with what our burden spiritualizer part feels is the quote, right way to do our faith. And when I 
began to understand the difference, it all became very clear to me um, how, how that had evolved in my life and how to welcome this spiritualizer part of me that was trying so hard to get me to do it right and not feel the yucky feelings in the name of God um, and really learn what it was afraid would happen if it let me feel those feelings and where it first learned how to help me in that way. And that that was really transformational for me. It was, it was just um, helped me really connect to authentic faith. I recently, I think named a spiritualizer part of me, but actually I think it disguised as cynicism. So uh, it, it was, yeah. it was a, it was a part that probably developed in my teen years when I would experience those mountaintop highs with the Lord. And then other people would look on it and say, oh, that's just the emotions of a teenager. Or, mm-hmm. or if I would come down off that mountain then and then be hit with the disappointment that, oh, it doesn't stay up there forever. And so I wanted to yeah. avoid the highs so that I, did, I could avoid the lows. And so I became very cynical of any kind of emotional experience with the Lord. Um, yeah. So that, that was really clarifying for me to see that and to see where it developed so that I can um, kind of unblend from that, that part. And I, I think I, I reassigned it um, into this part of discernment to be able to say like, this is an authentic experience from the Lord. And so however your emotions show up in it, the Lord is here and he is with you. And so that, that was just a huge clarifying experience for me recently after reading your book to see that. So thank you for that. Mm, yeah. I'm so glad. And doesn't it make so much sense how a part of you would become burdened with cynicism after having those experiences. Um, that's part of what I love about um, really understanding the positive intent of literally all of our parts, um, even the ones that are stuck in roles that are are doing or feeling really not good things is that we can immediately connect into that deep compassion for them, which is the, the compassion of Christ that really welcomes these parts and helps them to transform. Um, which again is, is part of the, the, um, hope that I have of offering the three steps of move toward, I don't know if your audience might be interested in, in knowing what they are, but if it's helpful, I can, yeah, share those. Um, the, the, what we can do when we're noticing that we're blended with a part and the way that we notice that is if we're feeling anything other than what our God image would feel. So the fruit of the spirit or the eight C qualities, calm, courageous, clear-minded, connected, compassionate, uh, all of the eight C qualities, we can just check in and notice how am I feeling? And if we're feeling anything other than that, we know we have a part that's, that's blended. And so the three steps of move toward that consolidate the first part of the IFS model are notice, know, and need. And so the first thing we want to do is notice what's coming up in us, where we feel it in our body, what emotions are present, what thoughts are present. And the key to this, to step one, is that we want to stay with the noticing until we begin to have an open heartedness toward it. Because when a part is blended and it's taking us over, there's usually several other parts that don't like it. Mm -hmm. So when we first begin to notice the anxiety, the spiritualizing, whatever it might be. Um, a lot of parts tend to jump up that don't like it. So we just welcome the concerned parts, but we stay with the noticing until we start to feel open-hearted toward the part. And that's the key, not just noticing it, but staying with the noticing until our heart starts to open and we begin to feel curious that allows the part to begin to unblend. And we start to access the God image inside of us. 
Once we have open heartedness toward the part or curiosity, and then we're ready for step two. And that is no, from our God image, we can ask this part of us, what do you want me to know about you? Mm. And just allowing, and the key thing is not trying to figure it out, not trying to like think, because that's usually our thinker parts that jump in that are like, oh, this part must have, you know, blah, blah, blah. But really just asking the question and then allowing the answer to come from the part. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but our parts typically communicate with memories or the impression of words. And so if we simply ask, what do you want me to know about you? We'll start to notice that we get the impression of, of uh, a sense of something or memories coming up. And in this getting to know the part, which is witnessing, that's what we're doing in this step. We can ask things like, what is your job in my system? When did you first start feeling this way or doing this thing? What are you afraid might happen if you didn't do this for me? And so that's the witnessing, the getting to know part. That's how we let our part come into relationship with the God image inside of us. And then the third step, once the part feels like we've really gotten a sense of what's going on for it is need. And when we simply ask the part, what do you need from me right now to feel a little more comforted? a little less activated. So this is the resourcing step where the God image asks the part, what do you need from me? How can I care for you well right now? And sometimes the part will just say, you know, just give the impression like in, in our mind's eye, I just want to hug. Like, could you just hold me? I just feel so alone. Or sometimes the part will say, Hey, you know what, in your outside world, I need you to set a boundary or use your voice or ask for help. And in any event, this is a resourcing. It's not the whole model for sure, because in the whole model, we actually do a trauma unburdening. So the parts trauma and its burden is released. Um, But it is those three steps allow us to unblend from a part, get to know it and provide some care for it so that we can return to a state of being led by the God image or what we might say in our faith community led by the spirit Mm-hmm. Um, so this part is no longer taking us over and running the show. So in a perfect world, it's almost like the, the core God image or the self is like an orchestra conductor and all of our parts are the instruments and the conductor is the one in charge and the, the instruments are not taking over. And that's really uh, a beautiful thing. It's really how we are led by the spirit um, is by helping our parts to unblend and feel witnessed and resourced and heard. Um, so notice with an open heart, know and need are those three steps of move toward. And hopefully anyone can use those, you know, immediately to help them yeah. to care for their parts. That, that makes it feel so simple. <laughs> I love that yeah, though. It gives us yeah. a key. I think sometimes we are confused if we use the metaphor you just used or the analogy, maybe it's an analogy of the orchestra. Um, we, we sense that dissonance in us, you know, we, we feel the chaos of all these parts running rampant and uh, not playing in harmony, uh, but we, we, it's such a mystery to us, you know, and I feel like you're just helping so easily demystify that to say, yeah, it takes time. It takes some patience, but you, you can take these steps and actually see some fruit from this. And that is beautiful to me because I think we just feel a little bit hopeless sometimes that it won't ever be different, you know? Um, so yeah. this just, it's very hope giving, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
And I like that it's kind of a, a thing you can almost do in the moment of feeling that flood because, you know, having learned this, and I know there's like, when you want to unburden it from the trauma and then assign it a new role, sometimes that takes some time. It takes yeah. some time to really sit with the Lord and have that quiet space when, you know, I'm rarely home alone. So when you find that type of quiet space and time with God, but doing that in the moment when you can just go, okay, I see this, I'm noticing it. I can know it. And let me see what it needs right now for me in this moment. And then we can maybe deal with the other stuff when I do have more time, but for in that moment, I can unblend from that yeah. by just following that, those three quick, I, I love that. I'm not saying it's quick or a good patch. I'm saying it's a doorway, right. That we can do when it's happening in the moment. It really is. And, um, I, our parts really find that so incredibly, um, comforting because at the end of the day, when our parts get burdened, they're typically burdened at a very young age. They learn how to feel what they're feeling or try to help us in the way that they're trying to help because something happens in our early life that feels unsafe to them. And the reason they take us over like the clouds covering the sun is because they don't know or trust that the God image is there to help. Mm. And so they are, our parts are enormously relieved to know that they don't have to flood and, and take us over because they're panicked, but literally there's an adult present. There's the God image present who is absolutely able and willing to lead and take care of them to take care of their needs. And so it really is beautifully synergistic. I think with the the scripture of come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And isn't it interesting that that's what we in IFS call our parts, trauma burdens, that they're burdened and I will give you rest for your souls. And that's what our parts want. They want to be, they want to be welcomed and received and witnessed and cared for. Isn't that what we all want fundamentally when we're hurting? And it's a really beautiful way to help them to do that. Um, Even if all we can do is step one, Because step one in and of itself is incredibly profound. We are trained to not know what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. I think in our culture, um, in so many ways, we are trained to have no idea what's happening in our bodies, to not know what emotions we're feeling, to not be aware because we're really a, a cultural value that we have is the thinking in our head and sort of dissociating from everything else. So even step one, if that's all we can do is be, is notice and begin to have a curiosity about what's coming up in us is pretty powerful. It really is. I think it's, um, it has shown me a lot of compassion toward myself, but it's also shown me a lot of compassion toward others because I recognize if this whole galaxy of things is happening inside of my soul, that's happening in everyone else. And we're all kind of bouncing around off each other's reactions and needs and fears and managers. And um, so I know that you would say, you know, just as we would move toward ourselves with that, to move toward others in that way. And would you be willing to just expand a little bit on what that looks like as we live this out in relationships? Because I don't know, I have kids, I have a husband, I have friends, I have coworkers. I'm thinking, I, I need this all day long, every day. <laughs> Give us some yes. Give us your <laughs> Me too. And <laughs> this is a this is a really large topic um, uh, that we could we could spend hours talking about. But I'll try to sort of summarize at a super high level, and that is that we we have to move toward our own parts and care well for them and get access to the God image inside of us before we can wisely discern if and how to turn toward other people's parts. Mm -hmm. 
And um, that is such an important thing because our God image is the, is the geolocation of all of our true internal wisdom and also the place from which we have discernment about setting and holding healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it may be that we're in relationship with someone and they have a part that's up that's just annoying. You know, they don't, you know, put the cap on the toothpaste tube or they, you know, do those little things that drive us bananas. And that's not that big of a deal. And in our God image, we can just hold compassion for that and just be like, oh, they just have a part that's up and it's there for a good reason. And I can just extend grace to that. On the other end of the spectrum are situations where people are dangerous or abusive or betraying without remorse. And um, it really is uh, the C quality of courage and the C quality of clear-mindedness from which we can wisely discern if the other person is someone that we need to step back from and set a healthy boundary and follow through with it. Our burdened parts tend to be reactive in that. So we might get an angry part that throws out an ultimatum. And then another part jumps in that's afraid of abandonment that undoes that. And what we wind up with is a lot of confusion when we're trying to set boundaries and have that discernment out of our burdened parts. The God image inside of us is very clear. It is loving and firm and also not hateful toward the other person. And this is huge, whether it is interpersonally where we need to set a boundary with someone who is boundary violating in some way, or whether we're looking at the larger cultural picture of how do we advocate for justice and righteousness? How do we engage in political discourse with people that we wildly disagree with? How do we, um, how do we engage in these places in our culture and society that are so highly polarized? And just like with throwing out interpersonal boundaries, we tend to react out of these burdened parts either parts that are enraged that throw out hateful language or parts that are overwhelmed and shut down and just dissociate and don't don't engage. Um, Our God image is able to stay present and to advocate for what feels congruent for us without being hateful or moving against the other person. And this is the embodiment of Christ as he walked on the earth. And it is an incredibly rare thing. We are surrounded by move against energy in our polarized politics, cultural relations, interpersonal conflict. Um, And the energy of our God image never moves against. It always moves toward, but it moves toward with wisdom. It has great discernment. And when things are unsafe or unjust, it speaks against it with righteousness and with truth and confidence, but without hatred without animosity, without vilification. And this I think is a transformational concept that literally could transform every facet of our experience in the political, cultural, social milieu that we find ourselves in today. You make a really good comparison. Like you kind of translated our inner systems to the society at large at the end of Altogether You. And you talked about how just like in our in our body, when our exiles experience pain, at some point they take over our system and they have to, they demand to be noticed. Right. And so you were saying we have exiles in our society. We have the marginalized, we have the people who have notoriously been oppressed. And when those groups experience that over and over and over, eventually they demand to be seen. That was like 
like my brain exploded when I read that because I thought that makes so much sense. I mean, we've seen this play out, but when you can like put it in the context of it's the exiled people who are demanding to be seen, we come in, we, the Americans is basically what I'm talking about right now. We come in as firefighters and we're just trying to put them out in whatever way we can, whether it's through political hate, whether it's through, um, I, I don't even know. There's lots of ways that we're doing it really poorly, I think, mm-hmm. instead of just moving toward, like you said, let's notice them. Let's get to know them. And what do they need? Like that is, that can be so huge when we're looking at that in the context of the larger society. Yes. I think it's really profound because the systems that exist inside of us also are co-created in our external worlds. And our culture is built on oppression, slavery, and marginalization that has never been addressed, for example. So one cultural legacy burden that everyone in our North American culture carries is the legacy of unaddressed slavery. And prior to that, um, uh, the um, uh, colonialization of Native American lands. There are legacy burdens that we have grown up swimming in that have not been addressed culturally. And so those are cultural exiles. And it it isn't that they demand to be seen as much as it is that they flood Mm -hmm. because there's so much unaddressed pain, just like with the exiles inside of us. And that pain is is uh, pain that that needs to be acknowledged and honored and witnessed and and made amends to. And as we continue to not do that, our managers and our firefighters become more and more burdened and more and more extreme. And so we see extreme managers that deny or repress or rage at marginalized communities, Mm -hmm. at people who are underprivileged, at uh, Uh, just a variety of things in our culture. And we see this warring that is very helpful to me to conceptualize it in this way, because if I didn't have this framework, I might look at the culture around us in absolute bafflement and just want to give up because how do you, how do you make sense of what is happening? Mm -hmm. And in this way, uh, there's a way of understanding it. And there's also a way forward. There's a way toward hope. There's a way to Um, addressing what's really happening, the tectonic plates of trauma that we are culturally holding and that are manifesting in these eruptions politically and socially, and go to the core, go to the source, rather than getting caught up in the bickering and fighting and attacking that's happening up here at at a superficial level. I mean, not superficial as in it doesn't matter, but go to the heart, go to the Mm -hmm. issues Mm -hmm. and, and attend to those cultural legacy traumas that have never been attended to because they will only become more and more traumatized. The longer we ignore them, just like the exiles in our inner worlds. So how do we, how does that happen? How do we make everybody read your book? Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's very kind of you. They're welcome to get it on Amazon. And I'm very happy to announce um, that I finally have the audiobook uh, that is available that I've recorded in studio with me narrating. So I'm super happy that that is recently available 
for people who like to take it on the go. And my encouragement would be if, if people would like to explore this in the book, I really walk people through step by step by step how to, to experience this with their own parts, um, how to communicate effectively for their parts, how to set healthy boundaries, um, how to address this as uh, in the larger cultural experience. And um, my hope is also with the move toward approach that people can really get their hands in this and help it to begin to make sense in their own lives. Because the amazing thing about IFS is that talking about it out of the prefrontal cortex in our brains is wonderful and it's one thing, but experiencing it out of the limbic part of our brain is a completely different experience, night and day. Mm -hmm. And we really have to actually walk through the steps of experiencing it to really feel the transformation. Otherwise it's just sort of a cerebral exercise. And so um, in the book, I try to help people do that. My movetoward.com website has lots of free resources and people can text. Um, and I'm trying to remember my text number. They can text my name, which is Jenna, J-E-N-N-A. Um, I hope I get this right to five, five, four, four, four. I think that is the correct number. <laughs> we'll put all of that know for this. you yes. in our show notes, <laughs> put it in the show notes. I'll go look it up. Um, and I can, they'll, if they do that, my textable account will send them a free move toward journaling worksheet that they can use in their quiet times, free guided meditations. I'm on insight timer, offering people free guided meditations to work with their parts. So my heart's desire is to really offer this content to people free so they can access it and get their hands in it. And it can change our lives today because we can't wait. We're in pain. Our culture is in pain and we need help now, not at some future time when we can get into see an IFS therapist or get into a training. We need help now. And um, I, my hope is to be able to help bridge the gap for people. Thank you for offering that. That's beautiful. And it's already transformative for both of us as we've been experiencing it. Really, really appreciate it. Mm. Thank yes, you thank so you much so for- much for what you're both doing and for your passion for the topic. I, I uh, really honor, honor your hearts and the work that you're doing. It's so important. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We are on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries. Our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org.